Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And my name is Jen. And today we're talking about the Michael Bay vehicle. <laughs> Get it? See what I did? <laughs> Ambulance. It's his, his new flick. Yeah. So Michael Bay and I have... I, I have no love for Michael Bay in general. I know that there are movies that you like of his, but that dude is, I've just, I've never had, I've never, I've never really liked any of his movies. So when this popped up, I was like, oh, do I want to shit on this movie for fun? Or do I want to, or do I want to try and give it a chance? And I resolved to try and give it a chance. Yeah, I resolved to try and give it a chance. So what? Where, where do you stand on Michael Bay movies? Let me see what Michael Bay movies I've actually seen. I'm sure I've seen a lot. Let's see. Armageddon. Yeah, Armageddon. I liked that one. The Rock I thought was fun. I haven't seen a lot of the Transformers. I think I've only seen the first one. That's okay. If you've seen the first one, you've seen all of them. Okay. Let's see. What else did he do? Uh, the island. Oh, oh my gosh! Bad he's Boys, coming. Bad Boys Two. Bad Boys he's Three. He's making oh, no. a movie. He's making a movie called Robo Apocalypse. <laughs> that that sounds. <laughs> that sounds like the most Michael Bay movie title ever. <laughs> yeah. He also did 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. He's responsible for some of the worst remakes in horror movie history. The Amityville Horror from 2005, the Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 remake, the Hitcher remake. Yeah, he's responsible for a lot of, let's call it garbage. Do you remember that movie Pearl Harbor? Did you see Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like that one, right? With Ben Affleck, right? Because yeah, you, right. you didn't want to miss a thing, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I thought that was all right. Yeah, so, so I'm looking through the movies he's directed, and yeah. I would say kind of hit and miss. Some of the stuff I like, some of it eh, is okay. All right. So I'd say lukewarm on him, but not bad. I don't I don't hate him, but probably not okay. my favorite. But he's he's got decent stuff that I don't mind watching. Gotcha. Okay. I think the only thing that he's made that I that I even think of as a moderately okay movie is the original Bad Boys. And from there it becomes obvious that his film styles are kind of more of a crutch than anything else. Mm, sure. So yeah. So yeah. Michael Bay, not really my favorite director <laughs> in the world. That's why when you said, let's do this, I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, okay, but see, it had been it had been at least five years since the last Transformers movie. And that was, those were kind of his cardinal sins were the Transformers movies. He took a concept that is otherworldly and tried to make it like... It, and this isn't all his fault. This is actually partially the fault of one of my favorite directors, Steven Spielberg. So Transformers is the is the love child of Steven Spielberg and Michael Bay. 
and they just bastardized the hell out of it. I can forgive Steven Spielberg because Steven Spielberg has an, an, an actual catalog that he can go back and say, look, you can go back and look at it and say, okay, he's, he's done great stuff, but Michael Bay doesn't have that. Michael Bay has this, he has the populist vote for sure. Like everybody loves the rock. Everybody loves Armageddon. Everybody loves Pearl Harbor. Everybody loves transformers. So if you say anything bad about it, everybody's like, oh, you're just a hater. But the truth is that he does pander quite a bit. He is. He doesn't know when to stop cutting his films. He he. I mean, everything's a sex object to him. It's like it's like. Potty brain humor, you know what I mean? And and he's just. I don't know. I don't know. He he objectifies women a lot, and I just have I have a problem with that. Now in this movie, he actually doesn't. So I'm going to give him I'm going to give him big ups for that. He does not sex up the lead actress, which is a first for him. So anyway, so that that's those are my major problems with him, and let's. Let's dive into this and see if they stick around. Let's see if he's still having these problems. So who's, right, so who's in this movie? All right. So we already talked about who directed this. Mm-hmm. It was written by Chris Fedick. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal as Danny Sharp. Yeah. Is it? Y- yeah. It's uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen the second or okay. two. I don't know. Then we have Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as Will Sharp, Isaac Gonzalez as Cam Thompson, Garrett Dillahunt as Captain Monroe, and Jackson White as Officer Zach. Now, this was a remake. I had no idea. But when I started doing some research, it turned out that this is actually a remake of a, of a Danish film that's basically it basically has the same premise now i didn't go and watch that movie but i i'm guessing that it probably went the same the same type it it does have that kind of unique hook to it right like like oh they've got to keep this person alive while they're on the run trying to you know save another person or whatever and and so, so I was a little surprised because I guess I didn't, I don't think of whatever else I have to say about Michael Bay. He's definitely not a remake guy other. Well, that's dumb because he is, he made all those, he made all those uh, horror movie remakes, although he really didn't direct them. He just, you know, produced them. So I guess, does that make him as responsible? I don't know. I don't know. Well, Let's get into it, I guess. The movie has to do with Will Sharp, Yaya Abdul-Mateen. He is in desperate need for, of money for his wife's surgery. So he reaches out to his brother, who is his adopted brother. Danny is the brother that's played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. And Danny, Danny's father adopted Will when they were young. But Danny's a lifelong criminal, kind of walking in dad's footsteps too, right? So like we kind of learned that along the way that dad was a criminal as well and mm-hmm. blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. But Will gets talked into taking part in a bank heist. 
They're going to steal $32 million. And that's how Will's going to get the money for his wife's surgery. So I just wanted to point out something. As this was going on, I thought, are bank robberies still a thing? You just don't (laughs) hear about bank robberies, right? Right. So I looked it up. In 2020, there was 1,800 bank robberies in the United States. Like, were they like physical bank robberies or they did it via digital? It, it's a mix of everything. So there is still some people going in and robbing the teller type of thing. And then there's some other types. But I thought, okay, so this is still a thing because the first thing going into this, that just made me wonder. And you know what? It's fine to have a movie about this, even if it's not realistic. It's a movie. It's just for entertainment purposes. Movies but, are not just for entertainment. But I thought, okay, <laughs> I just want to know just for my own curiosity, do people still rob banks? And the answer is yes. Weird. You just never hear about it anymore because you're too busy. Right. You don't. (laughs) We're too busy hearing about all the mass shootings. So yeah. Yeah. So when they are there, while they're trying to heist the bank, a cop who has a crush on one of the bank tellers at the bank shows up and kind of talks his way inside without really knowing what's going on. And he realizes what's going on, and he gets he ends up getting shot. I'm pretty sure, is it Will that shoots him, right? Is it Will that mm-hmm. shot him? So yeah. Will, Will shot the cop, and I don't think it was intentional. I think it was there was a shootout. It was down in the parking ramp while they were right. trying to escape. So they were, so there's a whole bunch of craziness ensuing. You've got the robbers shooting at the cops, cops shooting at the robbers. And then you've got Will and Danny. They're trying to get away. They've got the cop with them kind of as a hostage. And then they get down to the parking area. And that's kind of where that happens. Mm -hmm. But I think he shot him on purpose. I don't think he thought about it. And it was more gut reaction, it Mm. seemed to me. But I felt like he did do it on purpose. Interesting. I I felt like that wasn't really Will's character, though. I think Will was the one that I don't think it was either. Huh? Okay. So if he did that on purpose, that felt like it was a betrayal of what they've already established. And I could have been reading it wrong. And maybe he didn't. But that's how I read that scene. So maybe but you thought he did it on accident. So, you know, they don't really get into it. Right. I do think right. it matters, though, because by the end of this, when we get to the very end, I do think it matters whether it was done on purpose or not. <laughs> right. I, you know, you get the impression that by the end of it, uh, it, w- it were meant to believe that it was accidental. But what you're right. saying is the vibe you got off of the way it went down is that he did it on purpose. Like he, shot yeah, he was trying shooting. to he was trying to basically help out Danny at that point. Right. I want to back up real quick. So when they were before this robbery even started and and Danny was telling Will about all this Mm -hmm. and you could tell Will was like thinking about it. And I really enjoyed watching Yaya's acting here Mm -hmm. because he had the whole, like, you know, when you get tense and you're not sure about stuff, you start like clenching your jaw and this and that. And he was doing that through this while he was, you know, contemplating if he was going to do that or not. Right. And, and so I thought it was just kind of fun watching him and, you know, act through this. Cause I, I felt like, you know, something simple like that just kind of added to that whole um, process of what was happening on screen. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it that, you know, he, and Jake Gyllenhaal belong in a better movie, to be honest with yeah. you. They're better actors than this movie deserves. 
So I also enjoyed while we're talking about good acting. I also yeah. enjoyed Isa. I don't know if I've seen her in anything before, but I thought I she either. did a good job. Kind of a crazy thing that she was put in the back of this ambulance driving around and, you know, shooting this stuff. But I thought right, she did a right. good job. Yeah, I guess she she was in uh, Baby Driver. Did you ever see Baby Driver? I did. Yeah, she was a darling in, in Baby Driver, if you remember that character. The other thing I wanted to bring up was the cops had them under surveillance. So they yeah. must have been robbing quite a few banks to be on the radar. Like they knew who Danny was and they knew right. there was a potential for this hit. Right. And then the other thing I feel like Danny knew he was going to be able to get Will to participate because when his his co-robbers or whatever the hell you want to call them were making comments they were commenting about oh this is the other guy type stuff right so i think he was planning on will participating without even asking will and he just knew he was going to get him to come along with it makes sense that makes sense yeah so i feel like will probably didn't have you know if he kind of as they grow up if he always kind of went along with danny he probably didn't have a whole lot of chance of getting out of this, you know, thing. Cause I'm guessing Danny knew what to say to push his buttons, to get him to do this, you know? Right. Yeah. You definitely got that vibe from it. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about is the uh, Garrett Dillahunt's character, Captain Monroe. Mm -hmm. He, you know, the, the special investigation group of the LAPD that are, that are investigating these guys that are kind of have them under surveillance they're led by Garrett Dillahunt's character. And I, I like Garrett Dillahunt as an actor. I think he's a good character actor. But I think that this is one of those hallmarks of a Michael Bay movie in that you've got to have that kind of eccentric kind of cop character, that eccentric, eccentric authority figure. In, in Transformers, it was John Totoro's character from Sector 7. He was the he was the eccentric guy who was in charge of something. And this is mm. this is the Garrett Dillahunt character in this movie, where he's he's the eccentric because he's got he takes his dog with him and he's always overly concerned about the dog throughout the entire movie. Right. And There's one instant where he wasn't gonna back off on this pursuit until he found out his dog was potentially gonna get shot at. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like it's 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 a hallmark of a Michael Bay movie where you've got to have like some eccentric character in a in a typically in an authority role that that brings that kind of supposed to be like this manic comedy part to it. So also a note about the dog. Yeah, that's actually Michael Bay's dog. Well, cool. That's neat. <laughs> I like it when I like it. I do like it when filmmakers put their own animals in movies like like Sylvester Stallone put his dog in Rocky. OK, dog, the dog butt kiss from Rocky is his dog. OK, that he, that he had had to sell to keep to, so that he could continue to live before he made Rocky. Like he was living basically like <laughs> hand to mouth. And then and then he bought the dog back. He was able to get the dog back and he was so happy, you know, so he brought, put the dog in the movie. But anyway, I always like when they do that. So that's nice. Michael Bay. I'm sure you're a nice person, Michael Bay. I just don't like your movies, dude. And uh, your dog's cute. So that's cool. Whatever. And then too, 
when they start going into this opening sequence, mm-hmm. so you've always talked about Michael Bay and how he has so many cuts in the ah, movie. And Jesus I've never Christ. really paid attention until this movie, like this movie with the high speed chasing and going around. And it was a cut here, cut here, cut here, cut here. I was starting to get a little dizzy watching this because I felt like we were just spinning, like spinning mm-hmm. and it was cut and spin and cut and spin and cut in this way. And it was the first time I've ever really noticed that with the movie. And I don't know if I was looking for it because you've mentioned it. So I was trying to pay attention for that or if yeah. it was, if I would have caught this on my own, but it was, it was a little hard to like get a flow going a little bit. Cause it just was mm-hmm. so choppy feeling. Yeah. Now go back and watch the original bad boys and you'll see exactly, you'll see this. Okay. this he hasn't I've matured as a filmmaker. He hasn't matured as a filmmaker. That's all he does is he cut, 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 cut. And that's supposed to, that's supposed to inform the action. You don't stay in any one spot for any length of time. And, and it's all Dutch angles and speedy cuts for him, which I don't mind. Oh, a, that- I don't mind a good Dutch angle, but like, is that supposed to bring something else? Maybe he's trying to bring to his movies or I, I, think, I, I don't know. I, I think it's meant to evoke like a kinetic feel to it, like an energy, like a, like a high level of energy, which I mean, other filmmakers can do that without chopping back and forth. And I mean, some people would argue that he's, you know, he's an auteur and that's his style. Sure. But I mean, it's kind of an amateurish style. You know, it's kind of one of those things that you do to hide, hide long cuts that are not very good, that aren't framed very well or something like that, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, I would, I feel like if that's what you're doing a lot, that maybe there was something going on with either the acting or the background, something Mm -hmm. causing a problem. So you're trying to hide some imperfections, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that would be what it is. If that's what he does, does, (laughs) if that's what he does a lot. (laughs) So I'm going to go with what you said, and I don't know this for sure, but it seems to me like it's probably just his style that that's well, how he does it. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, it makes me think of the close-up shots for a person that's not comfortable, like directing action, like a fight scene, they have a lot of close-up shots. So you don't get to see like the fight unfold in real time. You just get to see like short, quick little cuts of the, of the fight. You know what I mean? I'll sh- mm-hmm. I'll give you some examples when when we see them. Like I'll point them out okay. next time we see them. Okay. But there's the, an accomplished director who's confident in their ability to capture a fight on film in a way that's going to be interesting. Will give you a wide shot of the fight happening, so you can see everything happening. And a and a, and a director that's maybe not as practiced in action will like give you these closer, like these mid-range shots where you're not going to see everything. And it hides the imperfections of, well, maybe they didn't have a good fight coordinator on set, you know, or something along those lines. Sure, sure. Okay. So yeah, but that's what this reminds me of. That's what his rapid cut thing reminds me of. And some people, again, they're going to say, no, it's just his style. I say he's hiding his, his, his inability to film action with a steady, you know, with a steady hand, I guess, you know? So Mm -hmm. Anyway, so after the, after, what's the cop's name? Zach? Is it Officer Zach? Yep. Okay, so after Officer Zach gets shot, they hijack a, an ambulance with Cam Thompson, the, the EMT who doesn't care about her, her uh, clients, her, her patients. She, this is the character, this is the most character development you're going to get in the entire movie is that she doesn't care about the patients. 
but by the end she's gonna care yeah that's that's your character arc that's the whole character arc of the movie they spend a little bit of time with her to kind of set up that she doesn't she's not going to obsess over like each individual patient she's going to fix them or get them to where they need to be and then move on her her partner is like don't you want to know what happened to them and she's like nope don't care just let's move on let's keep going right just keep moving forward we don't I think know for a good emt you might need to be somewhere in the middle of those two because I was thinking about this, you know, when she said she, and I know this isn't part of the movie, but I was thinking about this when she said she didn't care. And I thought, you know, that is a very highly stressful job and you probably have to come up with your walls or your boundaries in order to not be burned out by it and be overly stressed. So that might, that's probably her way of coping. But at the same time, I would feel like there's probably some times where you might want to just maybe not be there the whole time, but maybe just follow up. Hey, did they make it? How'd they do? You know? Right. Anyways, just something I was thinking about. Yeah. I I think that this, again, this is just an attempt to build character for, so that there's something fulfilling. We need to have a character that has some growth. Let's do it here. Right. (laughs) Look, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Michael Bay's, uh, Michael Bay's movie here a little bit of credit. There's more character development in that one character in the limited amount of time that we spend with her than there is in the entirety of Top Gun Maverick, which we just talked about last week. Like like Maverick is the exact same character from Top Gun to Top Gun Maverick. And he changes not even a little bit between the beginning Mm -hmm. and the end of the film. This movie, we have a progression for a character. So credit where credit's due. The writer at the very least gave us something to work with when it comes to characters. So they hijack this ambulance with cam thompson on board and she is treating zach oh wait no that's not what happened right they left him for dead they left him for dead yeah well they left him for dead and then the ambulance went in got him got him and then then they they were leaving they hijacked yeah right so she's in the back working on zach as they are hijacking the ambulance and they get out they they make a run for it and cam tries to escape but when zach starts to flatline she comes back which now i'm gonna i'm gonna pause you for a sec here. yeah go ahead because as zach is going into the ambulance we have a very important piece that happens in this movie we, oh, we have do? a literal Chekhov's gun that happens. oh yes that's right you're right <laughs> you're right you're absolutely right good job for seeing that because I I completely forgot about it because it was just so like, yeah, of course there's a gun there, but yeah. So what, so what happens? Tell us what happens. For when the guns, well, yeah. And I don't, I don't remember how it gets there. I just remember you see it and and it's on the stretcher. So I don't know the partner fell out of his. Nope. The partner or nope. The partner puts it on the, on the gurney as they're getting ready to put, the officer up on the gurney and he like okay. completely forgets that he left the gun there now what a shitty cop to just not yeah, know, I know where your gun I, is i thought right? that was weird that all of a sudden there's a gun here and like, then it's under him but like, i thought okay that's gonna come back later and it right, does. of course it does <laughs> like how bad of a cop do you have to be to just like forget where you oops i lost my gun you know like, but i think it was zach's gun i don't think it was the other, I don't think it was the partner's gun. I thought it was either Zach's gun. way, either way, <laughs> the cop 
should secure that weapon. Should be, yeah. He just puts but don't it just on the toss gurney. it around. Like, I know where I'll put it. I'll put it on the gurney right as we're getting ready to hoist them on there. You're right. That was like mind-bogglingly dumb, but it totally pays off in the end. Yeah, right? it does. Like, that's what, like it's there literally to go off. Like this is this is the very definition of Chekhov's gun. Like you can't get much more literal than that. That's right. <laughs> quite literally put there to go off later we'll get to that though because that's pretty funny so the as they're taken off they kind of get they kind of get discovered that you know that they're there or that they've taken the ambulance helicopters get deployed and they as as they are trying to save zach they are trying to escape at the same time it, to this point where like will has to like donate blood like he's able to donate blood to keep the guy alive so while this is all going on they're trying to escape the cops and so you get these scenes where like it's this mad dash and like oh there's cars crashing everywhere and cut 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 yeah right yep like this it's like if you took every one of those scenes just one frame you'd have like one shot right but <laughs> so, so in this whole, Danny decides he's going to call Poppy, which is one of his dad's former like criminal buddies. He needs to get rid of the cops. Danny does, and so he offers half, or not half. He offers him like a third of it, right? Or I don't remember what the dollar figure eight, was. I think it was like uh, eight million. But if they stole thirty-two, that's what a fourth of it, a quarter of it. Fourth, yeah. Okay, so I'm bad at math, but. <laughs> that's a good thing you don't rely on it for your job <laughs> right <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so so the okay so they he agrees to he agrees to help get rid of the cops off their tail and he sets his men about the business of creating a remote control car with guns in it that will come back into play later now this this guy's a cartel guy right like poppy i think they said he's with the cartel right i took it as he was yes okay do now i don't know for sure because i don't run with any cartel people do you i don't know any okay not not that I've been told, I guess. I don't know that I, I know like, any either. But, I suppose you could, and you just but, don't know, but I but, don't think I do. <laughs> right. But I, I have a serious question here. Are there a lot of remote control um, lowrider tanks that are used by the cartels? Because they seem to know exactly what they're doing. They're like, yeah, man, we're going to mount these guns here, and then we're going to remote control. Like, this is just an everyday occurrence for them. And then later he's <laughs> going to call it the poppy special. Like he's done this before. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. That part, that it, stuff didn't make sense to me so much, but it, I mean, I understand they were trying to, they needed yeah. something to help get them away from the cop. Otherwise there's a way they're getting away from the cops. You got the right. helicopters on, right. you got the cops behind you. Right. You're not getting out of this. They've seen their faces. They've got fingerprints everywhere. Nobody yeah. was wearing face masks. Nobody was wearing gloves. How they haven't been caught before this point, I have no idea. 
Well, that's the thing. If you know who they are and you, they, I mean, their MO is that they don't seem to be wearing, wearing masks and they don't seem to care about leaving fingerprints. You have proof of their prior exploits. That's why you're tailing them. Why haven't you picked them up yet? Yeah. And I know they put like those gators up over their face, but they didn't have them on the whole time. They like took them down almost right away once they were in the bank. So that way people saw who they were. Cameras were on. All right. Whatever. And they left people alive. Yeah. They left people alive. It's not like they murdered everybody there. Which is fine. They can leave people alive. They're just going to get caught. Well, they're just going to leave people alive at the bank. They're going to murder about a billion people across the freaking like freeway as they're running into it and like running cop cars into other vehicles and like flipping them over onto other vehicles. Like like people died on this on this expressway a lot when these guys are being chased. There had to have been a ton of people that died. The body count in this has to be astronomical. While this is all going on, like you said, the dog, it becomes apparent that the dog was in the vehicle of, of one of the one of the people that were after that were after the ambulance. And so they're told to back off. And we I think we had gotten introduced to earlier a guy that he's an FBI agent, uh, FBI agent Anson Clark. He knows Danny. He like went to school with Danny at like like college or something. But Danny was yeah, but Danny was only there to like get intel in some sort of like departed way. Like like they sent him to join the police force or join the like the FBI like class. Like, what is he auditing them? How do you just go there to like take a few damn classes and then leave (laughs) like that doesn't raise a red flag i don't i don't get it but they keep working on danny or not danny excuse me they keep working on zach and they're keeping him alive as all kinds of other things are going on there's going to be some snipers that are going to try and take him out but cam decides that she because she she figures out like she's she's in communication with them and she figures out that She's in communication with the cops, I think, right? Isn't she communication with the cops? Yeah, various times. Yeah, very, yeah, like different different times. She gets she's in communication with the cops. She finds out the cell snipers. phone set happens to show up somewhere. Self, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, check off cell phone. So the so she finds out that they're going to try and snipe them at their, as they're going through this thing, and she decides to like save their life for some reason. But like, I'm guessing to like save zach's life because you know she she tells will and danny that the snipers are going to be shooting at them and that that's enough to kind of like you know give them give them pause and at that point danny's like like all right we're just going to kill her because we're not, we don't need to keep this cop alive but will stops them and they go into the los angeles river which is basically like where every action scene happens in la like greece happened there and like freaking terminator 2 happened there like everything happens in the los angeles river which is basically as i understand it like a tiny little trickle of a stream running down like a concrete viaduct right or aqueduct i should say but they get chased by helicopters and Danny tries to shoot the helicopters. And then this is when they go under this bridge in the riverbed and they swap ambulance. No, no, they don't swap, swap ambulances. They get camouflaged and then they drive another ambulance out. 
like the uh, like Poppy's men drive another ambulance out. Yeah, they drive a few out, and then they have that weird color spray paint that nobody's gonna miss that they put on. Right, and it's not Why exactly. Why would you do that like, at that point? Why would you just go? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's know. like Danny's like paint guy that he gets to like yeah. spray the thing, but he doesn't like he doesn't like spray it very well. It's just kind of like barely covered but the ambulance that that the uh, the one guy runs at the police is full of c4 explosives and that blows up and the and then what did have made more sense to try and get those other ambulances to have the same number on top of it as the one that they're driving and then try and confuse the situation yeah you wouldn't know versus but putting then, that weird paint on it. I don't but know. then you, but then you wouldn't get the the C four thing, and then right after that, that's when the poppy special happens, when the guns come out of the the cars with the dummies, the remote control cars. But Roberto, the son of Poppy, gets killed in this whole thing, and Poppy wants he wants his cut, and he wants more than that. He wants to. So basically. Will and Danny, once they once they leave the Los Angeles River, they get to Poppy's hideout. And Poppy wants Zach and Cam, really, right? Like, he wants both of them in exchange for his son's life because he mm-hmm. believes that the cops are responsible, not the fact that, you know, they drove a C4-laden ambulance along with a couple of remote control, like, machine gun cars at the cops. That's not the fault. That's not the reason that this guy died it's the cop's fault well it's never your own fault it's always somebody else's no it's not it's it's the other guy's fault so but but will won't do it and eventually like danny kind of comes around to will's view and they end up killing poppy and his crew and while this is all going on cam and zach are in the ambulance surrounded by poppy's men and when Will comes around the corner, the Chekhov's gun goes off. Cam has that in her hand. She's pointing it at the door. So when Will comes around the door, she just shoots without seeing who it is. And she ends up shooting Will. After that, Danny takes the ambulance to a hospital. And it becomes, it kind of comes out that Cam is the one that shot Will. And Danny is like really upset with that. While they, this ambulance is like basically at the door of the hospital and will is bleeding out in the ambulance while Danny is trying to like murder cam live on TV in revenge and get himself killed as well. Will decides he's going to shoot Danny in the back because he's not going to let him kill cam. And as he's dying in the street, he apologizes to will and then he bleeds out and then the police arrest will in true police style they take the injured dude the injured black dude i might point out and they start to handcuff him and everything but cam basically cam basically admit like and excuse me zach says that will saved his life that he wasn't responsible and that's how will gets off but in the meantime cam takes some of the heist money and gives it to Zach's, or excuse me, gives it to Will's wife for her surgery. And everybody except for Jake Gyllenhaal lives happily ever after, I guess. We, and later on, we find out that this is, the, this is the character development. Ready? 
Cam goes back and sees one of her former patients in the hospital to see that she's okay, that the, that the, uh, that the, that the former patient is okay. And so there's your, there's your character development. So if this sounds like a mess, it's because it really fucking is like, this is a mess of a film, like just madness going on the whole time. I was really wondering the whole time how they were going to get Will out. Cause you know, he's not the bad guy, quote unquote, but, but he I is. feel like, but I feel like, man, he, he got off with no consequences. Like there is no consequences for him other than I, he got shot and probably had to have some time in the hospital to <laughs> what he did. Right. My, my least favorite thing is the bad guy getting away without any consequences. And that's exactly what happens to Will. Look, for whatever reasons, Will is doing this. As this movie is set up, he is the bad guy, right? Or one of the bad guys. The cops are supposed to be the good guys. The Now, I want to tell you who robbers the, are the bad, guys. bad guys are. Tell me. Is the health insurance company yes. that were refusing to get, let this woman get her surgery. Yes. So whether that's insurance companies, laws, whatever we want to call it, that's the true bad guys yep. in this movie. And of course, everything else trickles out from there. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. No, that's, you know what? It's just, this woman is going right. to die and they were refusing her health care. Yep. Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Right. Absolutely. 100% agree with you on that. That was making me angry while I was watching that. (laughs) I was getting angry watching the beginning of that. And I think that's the point of it, because that's Mm -hmm. kind of what we are living with in the United States is the healthcare system is broken and people are not able to get the healthcare that they need when they need it. And I feel like you just kind of spin that in there a little bit, but I was getting really angry when I was watching it. <laughs> I mean, this is the, I mean, that's, this is basically the plot of John Q. You ever see John Q with Denzel Washington from the nineties? He takes a hospital hostage because he needs like healthcare for his kid in a, okay. in a, in a stunning movie or a stunning prediction of where the American healthcare system will end up. Yeah. It, like he, he can't afford it. So he decides, you know, Yeah. Anyway, the the fact that the FBI agent was friends with Danny means absolutely nothing. Nope. Like, what's the point of that? Doesn't matter. It's doesn't it's un- matter. Unrelated. They <laughs> also that whole surgery thing. Yeah, it was a lot of buildup for no reason. The doctors were saying, "Hey, if his spleen bursts, he's done for." Right? It wasn't. He yeah. didn't die. The, sp- the spleen burst. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't die. Yeah, my my favorite thing that happened in this movie, if I have a favorite thing that happened in this movie, is that during this madcap race against the cops, they go through downtown L.A., through the Staples Center, like through the basement of the Staples Center, cars getting overturned, people getting shot up, everything going crazy. After they make it through all of that. They race through downtown LA. They race through the fucking Staples Center. Then the lead cop, then Garrett, Garrett Dillahunt's character says, okay, look, we're going to back off you. <laughs> <laughs> what was the tipping point? The fact that they went through Lakers Central or what? 
no idea. I don't understand. I don't get it. And then at the end of the movie, the wife brings a baby to an active crime scene. Like they brought her and the baby to an active crime scene. Yeah. Like, why? Why would you do that? (laughs) I don't know. And also, how did Cam know that the one cop was the partner? Because at the end, she talks to him and she's telling him what's going on. How, 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 how? She was notified off screen. (laughs) Yeah, notified off screen. I would like to uh, piggyback a little bit on your commentary of the American healthcare system and say that after all this crazy bullshit, Cam's employer will still be like, hey, you're going to be back at work tomorrow morning, right? (laughs) You know, you know they will. You know they will. So basically this movie can be called like the joyride from hell, right? Like that's what Cam went on. Cam went on a joyride from hell just so that she could care about her patients. That's what proved it to her. I don't understand how that made her be like, I care about my patients now. I don't, I don't know. Was it because she had to stay in contact with one of them for such a long time and keep them alive? Or was it because she had to stick her hand inside of one I was going to say, maybe it was the <laughs> surgery part yeah. and trying to keep him alive. Yeah, I- we didn't even mention that, but there was a, there's a, there's a FaceTime surgery where she gets in touch with like some, some surgeons. And yeah, they that's what I was just saying, where, where they, yeah. they were saying that, hey, if the spleen bursts, he's done for, but that's not what happened. Unbelievable. So unbelievable now look i just recommended top gun maverick okay so i'm not above like a populist fun movie just for fun like switch your brain off and enjoy it right but this movie tries to have like messages and it just gets mixed in with like so much madness like yeah i don't know i'd be curious to know what the story of the Danish version was because the Danish version is a full hour shorter than this one was. Well, that's Michael Bay being Michael Bay. Sure, you got your writer, you got Michael Bay, but what? Well, yeah. it is part like like the helicopter thing in the the helicopter chase part. Apparently, that wasn't in the original story, but he found out there was a couple of helicopters available or whatever, so they concocted that thing and shot that thing i guess yeah <laughs> that yeah that sounds like that sounds like michael bay yeah you know it'd be really rad is if we had some helicopters and they were circling around while we were doing this and then like this can happen and this gets like oh my god okay oh it's like eight eight-year-olds talking and like one-upping each other on the whole oh this would be cool if this happened yes yeah i'm i'm 100 <laughs> sure that that's how he makes films i'm 100 sure that that's how he makes movies you know what would look really rad? It's like, you know what would be, you know what would be my ultimate nightmare? Here's my ultimate nightmare. Michael Bay producing a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> I would go to, I would go to Hollywood. I would sit in the middle of like Paramount lot or wherever and douse myself with gasoline and light myself on fire just to protest that. I really would. I, not, you know what? I you would really, not. I re- okay. So I really wouldn't, but like, in my head, I would really want to, you know what I mean? Like, 
So yeah, because that because those two would be would be doing the exact same thing that you were just talking about. It would be like two eight year olds going, you know, it'd be really cool. We could totally do this. Oh my god, we should do this. And then and then and then and then and then, and then the robot he like he like turns into a car, and then the car tries to run over Sam and 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 then Shia LaBeouf. He goes and looks at Megan Fox's butt. <laughs> That's how he makes movies. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. So let's talk about whether it, do you have any tidbits, any, any trivia? Oh, got them all covered. Got them all covered. Right on. Okay. So, well then keep rent or erase Jen. Judge I, this movie. I would put this in a rent column because this isn't something I'd pull out and watch on a regular basis. However, some of the, you know, if you're looking for like something actiony and just a lot of stuff happening, and if you can tolerate all the movie cuts, you know, or the, you know, choppiness of it. Yeah. yeah. I would say it's fine. It, it's, it's, it's decent enough. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I would probably <laughs> watch this again, maybe in a couple of years, be like, yeah, sure. Let's throw that out and I'll watch it again. So I'm going to put it in rent. Okay. I wanted so badly to erase this movie, but I'm going to say, I'm going to qualify that. I do think this is an erase for me, for me. Yeah. But if it is somebody who, like you said, doesn't mind switching the brain off and just not thinking too much about it. If we're going with the Top Gun Maverick adage of don't think, just do. <laughs> just do. Then then this movie is for you. You you will like this movie. It is going to you don't have to think about it. You just go watch thing look, thing blow up. Thing blow up good. You're going to like this movie. Yeah, if you uh, like seeing like car crashes and explosions and stuff, you're this, yep. this is right up your alley. Can't be bothered with those pesky emotions or those <laughs> darn dramatic beats or any of that stuff. Then this is the movie for you. But for me, for my money, this isn't a race. This is a, this is this is the movie that I would take to Universal Studios or Paramount or whatever, and I would set fire to in front of Michael Bay's <laughs> office if he ever decides to make a movie with Zack Snyder. That's what I'll do. I won't light myself on fire. I'll bring gasoline and copies of each of their movies both of them and just put them in a little pile and be like, burn them. They'll be like, Oh, well he bought those. That's fine. <laughs> like, well, I got my money for it. Sucker. So <laughs> like all those people that were like burning their Nikes or their Colin Kaepernick jerseys. You remember that? Be like, ha yeah. sucker. Colin Kaepernick already got paid fool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's tell me we've got something to cleanse the palate. What are we watching after this? I don't know if this is going to be a palate cleanser. But it's probably going to be another fun movie. I hope it's Jurassic World Dominion. Oh God! Okay. So more Chris get Pratt. Get to see, get to see big dinosaurs. Rah. Yeah, but we've seen. Okay, look, we've seen dinosaur. We've seen dinosaurs since 1993. Before that, but I mean, really, 1993 Spielberg and and company mm -hmm. just kind of like revamped the whole dinosaur thing. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, I'm not going to say I won't go and see it. I'll go and watch it. I can, I, I just, these Jurassic World movies, the first one was fine. The second one was so garbage, like really, really bad. Yeah. The second one was not good. The problem is where do you go 
from Jurassic World, which is like this, like Jurassic World was like the the realization of John Hammond's dream from the first three movies, the original three movies. And so it was kind of like, oh, look, we've, we made it. We made this happen, right? So where do you go from there? Well, dinosaurs get out and they're, now they're back on the, on the planet. We made them, we brought them back. We mm-hmm. brought dinos back. And this movie apparently is, is no different. You're going to be hunting dinosaurs on the Great Plains or whatever, you know? Yeah. Taking down a Stegosaurus in the Grand Canyon. Who knows? Whatever. It's probably, it, Bound to be spectacular looking. That is for that is for absolute certain. So, all right. Well, that's what we will do. That's what we'll be talking about next week, right here on the couch. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to A View from the Couch. We value your feedback. Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your preferred podcast listening app. You can reach us on Facebook by searching at A View from the Couch on Twitter at view underscore couch, or by emailing us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye. See ya.